You're listening to Crunch, a podcast by award-winning New Zealand PR agency, HMC. Crunch stands for Crucial Chats Over Lunch. These are bite-sized discussions for business leaders that can easily be digested over your lunch hour, your morning commute, or whenever you listen to your favorite podcast. Crunch tackles a variety of topics to help business leaders build their knowledge in strategic communication and public relations. I'm your host, Mark Hunter, and it's my privilege to welcome you into Crunch. Welcome to another episode of Crunch. Today, we are talking about trust, specifically trust in business. Here's a quote from Zig Ziglar. He's the motivational speaker and author and salesman. If people like you, they will listen to you. If people trust you, they will do business with you. So that's what we're talking about. What does it mean to be trusted in business? And how does being a trusted business help you get more business? We'll also cover the challenges of artificial intelligence and how AI has the potential to erode trust with customers. And how can your business build trust currency with its customers? Joining me today is Chris Williams. Chris is the director and CEO of King Street, the largest marketing and advertising agency operating in both the Waikato and Bay of Plenty. And from HMC today, we have two ladies. We have uh, the managing director of HMC, that's Heather Clakem, and we have Emma Letessier, the senior account manager of HMC as well. All right, welcome. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, why don't we start with the most basic thing of all, which is what does it mean to be trusted in business? Everyone's going to nod and say, yeah, of course you've got to be trusted in business. Why wouldn't you be? But what does that effectively mean? Well, the ultimate reason you need trust is it kind of gives you a license to operate. If you are not a trusted business, yeah, people aren't going to buy from you. But, of course, there's many other benefits of, of being trusted. You know, it helps you to attract staff and retain staff and build partnerships. And, you know, if your community trusts you, you can operate in the community with them, knowing that you're going to have the community's interests at heart. So, there's, yeah, there's a lot of different um, yeah. reasons to be trusted. Yeah, I agree. And I think the thing about trust is that you are known for kind of living up to your promises mm. and the expectations you create yep. in the market. And you can, I suppose, get people along for a certain amount of time until such time as they realise that actually that is not, promise is not being kept. Mm. And I've always thought like a really strong brand, strong business is one that kind of keeps its promises. And that I kind of think is the, the most important thing. If you do that, then, you know, people are going to come back and talk your praises, things like that. Yeah. To me, it's like the most fundamental kind of thing you need. Mm. So we, we know what it means to trust someone, a human being. Is it exactly the same thing with a business? I mean, our business, we kind of feel has its persona. It has a, you know, heartbeat. Mm. And so I kind of feel that it is very, very much the same. And, of course, it's made up a whole lot of people who are the people that deliver on those things. We don't make widgets and whatnot, so a bit different. But I do, I do think it's a, the principles are the same. Mm. And I think, like, and, you know, the reason you need to be trusted as an organization, as a company or, or a not-for-profit, is you are going to screw up at some point. Yeah. That is guaranteed. And yeah, so I probably already have a couple of yeah. times today. <laughs> <laughs> so you better have some trust in the yeah. trust bank because mm. then people will give you the benefit of the doubt. Yeah. If you come out and say, hey, we've screwed up here and we're going to fix this, yeah. people will be like, you know what? I trust them because I've seen them do, you know, do some great things in the community or they have great people working for them or whatever it is. You know, you've, yeah. you've purposefully built that trust. When you screw up, you can rebuild again real quickly. That's very true. In fact, you can gain more trust by admitting to your mistakes. Exactly. Yeah. Say, look, yep. there's what we did. 
and we're sorting it out, you know, yeah. cover the cost or whatever the case might be. Yeah. And, you know, getting back to that, it's not that unlike a person, a no. company. Yeah. You think of a person that's, um, they've marked up sporting figure, whatever it is. The one that we don't trust is when it's a false you know, this is not the best version of myself. No kidding. You, you know, so I think, I think, man, who's, yeah, advi- right. who's yeah. advising Get you? Get a few cliches Just out. own the yeah. thing. Because yeah. if you own the thing, yeah. we like you that much more and we trust you. Yeah. And I think a company that can, when they make mistakes, they own it fully. Yeah. We don't want to hear excuses. We want to hear that you, you own it and you're going to fix it. And then we, we like you more. That's yeah. it. Yeah, yep. that's it. I think the key is that you want, in a business, any business, you want to generate long-term loyalty from a solid customer base and bring new people in. And mm. trust is one of the key pillars in that in building mm. that foundation. Heather and I were talking about this yesterday from an influencer perspective as well, because we're really noticing maybe a backlash against, you know, influencers that present themselves in a perfect light. That's not relatable to people anymore. No. Um, we don't want to see that. We don't no. resonate with people that are perfect. And that's, I think, one of the dangers of AI. If we're going to bring it back to AI, we've seen on LinkedIn recently, and they're really easy to spot. There's an app now you can take a, a selfie and then it will spin out a bunch of professional LinkedIn shots. But there's something at the heart of the human spirit that I think can look at that and go, that doesn't, there's something yeah, quite right. not right about that yeah. image. Yeah. Look like some kind of Disney character. Yeah. <laughs> it, yeah. it looks like a yeah. version yeah. of yeah. these people, yeah. but it's not really those people. Yeah. That's the danger of becoming unrelatable because you're aspiring to perfection. Hmm. And I think it's getting back to what you were saying, Mark, about that integrity. You know, the label on the outside is what you see on the inside. Well, on that LinkedIn photo, the outside does, is not the real thing. It's not the real person, uh, you know, so. All right. Now, Emmy, you've just sort of touched on the AI thing, and we'll get into that now. We'll talk about whether artificial intelligence is putting a strain on trust. Is it eroding it? But maybe the first thing we should talk about are how are companies even using AI that would even make this an issue at all? So companies, who's using it? How do they use, not as in the actual names of the companies, but how is AI being used in business? AI is such a huge, broad definition, really. And because what, what we're probably talking more about today is what is termed as generative AI. So that's creating, you know, creating mm, imagery correct. out of yeah, an yeah. app or creating words out of like ChatGPT is, you know, the one that people know the most. Well, I can say how the PR industry is using it. Some people are using, a, using it a lot to clean up their writing, to generate ideas before they write. You can write a piece and say, hey, I need to shorten this to 500 words and put it into JetGPT and it'll do it for you. So I think it's, be, it's for our industry becoming an enabler. I think people are using it really poorly. You know, if they're not incredibly um, professional, you know, they might just be making it, you know, do blog posts for them and not doing much with it and just slapping it up and calling it their own. That's not happening too much, I don't think. But, you know, you do hear of people doing that. So, but if, yeah, for us, I think it's just a really an enabler, but it will never replace what we do. Okay. You know, the human side of writing. Chris, what about in your field of marketing and advertising, AI? Yeah, so we, we're using it. And I think we also need to say that you know, it is quite a new thing. And there was a time when the radio was really new as well. Yes. Television, the internet, social media, all those kind of things, you know. they Everyone was saying, oh, this is the big thing that's going to wipe out everything else. And radio was like the work of the devil in some parts when it first came around. But, you know, now we just keep on using it. So it is really new and it's we're kind of getting our heads around it and we're starting to 
I guess, try find our way through, you know, using its potential properly. And for us, we're users of it. And the same way that Heather does on the kind of, you know, the copywriting side of things, you know, writing multiple Facebook posts and things like that, it's quite helpful to get it to make a start. Mm. Uh, but it is, I agree with Heather, it's an, an enabler. It is mm. definitely not a replacement for anything. But also we can, we use it for visual stuff as well. Some guys came to see us yesterday and they're using it to generate their storyboards for their videos and things like that. So we're going to look into those areas. Plus we've also got one or two campaigns that are actually, we've deliberately made it an AI thing. Uh, it's in the science field and all those kind of things. So oh, we the kind kudos of awards. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, posters. They were beautiful posters, but, yeah. Yeah, they're fantastic. That. And yeah. we're, we're promoting it as being our use of the latest in science in our field. And they look fantastic. But we wouldn't have just been able to say, you know, make some posters for us, kind of about kudos. <laughs> There's quite a lot of details that go into it, you know. Yeah. So to me, it's going to be a great tool. Um, you know, people say it's going to be the death of humanity and that kind of thing. I mean, look, God, help us. Mm. You know, they said that about all sorts of things. So I don't think that's going to be the case. Okay. Mm. I know from uh, in the design field that I've used AI to generate images that, yeah. you know, in some sort of oil painting style or some sort of watercolour style images that there's no way I'm going to be able to I mean, I'm not going to be able to organise that photo shoot. Yeah, and pay some, someone and, to paint it. Yeah, or exactly. Or that New York, yeah. that New York Hyde Park thing, the scene that I want in summer yeah. with three women walking this way, that way from a, a, an aerial bird's eye view. But if I prompt it right, AI can give me that image. Oh man, it's it's glorious! I just thought, do my own testing. I said, do me a, a watercolor of a guy playing a piano, and. When it came out, I kind of thought, bloody hell. <laughs> actually, I thought it was me. Oh. Look, and people said, is that you? It was unbelievable. Yeah, but that's because AI is watching you. Yeah, right. yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah we'll yeah. use this guy. Yeah. <laughs> All right. but, but I think like the thing sitting here today, and, and Chris and I did talk about this before, um, you know, we are deep into it. You know, we're like my team, yeah. we're talking about ChatGPT every day. We're probably doing something in it every day, and you're probably the same with your business, yeah. but... Yeah, that's, that's because true. we're in this industry. And I think, yeah. and the reason we're talking about this topic today, the vast majority of the community does not know about these technologies. And when they hear that this actually isn't a real picture, you know, it blows their mind. And so they become really distrustful really quickly. Let's go into that then. In what way is the fact that a um, an image, the piano playing, watercoloring, Looks like Chris Williams kind of guy is is, is <laughs> that was a coincidence. Just, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm telling myself that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if they found out, yeah, that's AI generated. Why would that erode trust for a business? Like, what, at what point does anyone in business should they be wary of the using of AI? Whether it's for uh, verbal content or you know or visual content, what's the problem? I think the problem comes. And this is just right now. And I think what Chris is talking about, you know, all these technologies come along in our lifetime. And eventually, and it might be really quickly eventually, you know, in a couple of years' time, no one's going to care what it's generated from. But I think right now, if you're generating something in with AI and you don't disclose it, that's where the, ish, yeah, that's no, where the could, issue comes in. I completely in. agree. If we look at a great example that just happened this year in New Zealand when um, the National Party did an attack ad against labor, and it was AI-generated. And I believe they did, like, disclose it, right, you know, in small print somewhere. But the general public, they were up in arms about that, you know, just because it was a scary poster. It, it was meant to instill fear. It wasn't a real image. And they just weren't happy that it was generated by AI. And the funny thing is, would, you know, would the community be okay if someone just painted it, you know? Yeah, they, by hand. By, with, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> 
yeah. yeah, it was quite interesting. Well, it kind of really was, and, and I looked at it and I thought, oh well, for me, we're we're in the profession, right? I thought, well, good use of time and money, as in didn't have to pay talent, didn't have to pay a photographer, all those kind of things. Get yeah. on them, and the the people depicted were the type of people they were kind of you know trying to target and so on. Mm. And then of course the media picked it up and it became a you know top of the news story. The danger is, if not used ethically, it can be used unethically. Yeah. And you know, you look That's at like true. there was a scam again just a couple months ago, maybe June, July in America, where this w- woman had a daughter. All of our kids are doing stuff on on TikTok and stuff. You know, you they, somebody lifted up her voice and created an audio file and called her mother up and said, "Mom, I've been kidnapped. You know, you have to send money to oh, these people." Wow. I heard about and her this. mother was like. 100% believed it because it was her it was her daughter's voice. Yeah, yeah. But it was manipulated to say, you know, something different. So, and I think we've seen, you know, we've seen videos like that of, you know, presidents of the United States saying stuff that that they didn't say, but you know, yeah. the video yeah. has has shown them saying something. So, I think that's something to keep in mind too if the if the media is really highlighting that about yeah. the yeah. you know, yeah. negative use of AI, that's probably why we're in this situation that's too. It. And we can't discount the possibility of these things falling into the wrong hands and those kind of mm. things happening, you know. It's going to be an interesting road that it this is. travels. Because the people who are listening to us now, they're business people, mm. right? They're probably not in any danger of creating media content or fictitious events. Maybe they're using AI to write, like you say, they're writing some social media posts and whatever. Mm. And it's just kind of, it's just, just fast-tracking things, making it a bit more efficient. Should they disclose that? Or does it not really matter? We would use it as a prompter and get things underway. Sure. And no different to what we would go to Google and maybe find a couple of quotes and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. It's basically, to me, it's just, just it helps the process, you know. Word enabler is right. Mm. Because in the end, you've still got to line it up alongside the brand values you're trying to represent and things like that and make those calls on it, you know, whether or not this is, needs some work, et cetera, et cetera. And if you are the genuine custodian of those brands, you're going to know what should be in and what should be out. Yep. I don't have a problem with us just using it in our own time kind of thing without having to, you know, tell everyone we've, mm. you know, got an AI person on this. Right. <laughs> like at HMC, we've just developed an AI um, policy. So we've really talked as a team, like what what works for us and what works for our clients in terms of how do we use it, how do we disclose it, that sort of thing. And because now we have this policy, we've actually updated our terms and conditions for our clients and said, hey, we, we once in a while we might use um, yeah, AI. Right. Okay. Um, that's but that's idea. like our way of getting around so that we don't have to ta- have that conversation every single time. That oh, we that's, might, yeah, that's yeah. pretty cool. That's so, pretty cool. Yeah. yeah. And we're, we're very open as well, but we haven't got it in a sort of a policy yeah. kind of form, but it's not a bad idea. Mm. Funnily enough, I was talking to uh, my brother as a lawyer and we were talking about the use of AI. Can you use an AI to generate, I don't know, terms and conditions and some kind of contract and whatever? Now he's his experience of it is he did an experiment. Yeah. He got one of his juniors to say, yeah, look, tell you what, here's the contract, go away and do your best, see what it can do. I'm going to do it, you do it. And anyway, at this point, I think it comes down to the, um, it's the technicalities of the prompter, of the questions yeah. you ask, the oh, way that you frame okay, it. Absolutely right. And there's, there's now called um, super prompting. Mm. There's a thing called super prompting where you've got people who will almost, I think they're going to go and you do university qualifications eventually in the skill of being able to write the kind of prompts that get you the maximum accuracy or uh, in Mm. the case of uh, visual, the high levels of specificity. But you Mm. need, you almost need to be qualified to sort of give that level of promptings. But that's coming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Very much so. (laughs) What has fascinated me about the the AI, the chat GPT and so on, is that it's kind of arrived, and here it is, well, it kind of feels fully formed, but it's only the start. 
What's it going to be like in four or five years' time, in ten years' time? You know, you mm. imagine what the internet was like when you first sort of got hold of it. You thought it was pretty amazing. It was a hell of a slow compared to now. You wouldn't put up with it. Mm. So how far it's travelled and how far this is going to travel, that's kind yeah. of interesting. And, you know, given that we're talking about trust and trust in business, you know, it's, it'll be interesting to see how, yep, the rise of AI and its levels of sophistication are going to actually affect on, uh, or affect that, that sort of area. So what are the factors? And let's talk about trust. So we've got businesses listening in. People love to do business with people they trust, and the opposite is also true. So what are the other factors that you've experienced in your own work that leads to people becoming skeptical, distrusting? What erodes trust for businesses? I think the interesting thing about the launch of AI, or, you know, it was really just about this time last year that we started hearing about ChatGPT, yeah. and, you know, it's, re- it's really been this year is like the, the year of AI or whatever you want to call it. But it's really been launched at a time when I think the world as a whole is mistrustful of corporates, of government. Yeah of their neighbor. (laughs) And I think that's because we've come through COVID when we had um, the anti-vaxxer movement, um, lost so much protesting, anti-government sort of stuff. We've had President Trump who's like, you know, he just hasn't affected America, but the world. And, you know, he's come up with alternate um, social media platforms because he doesn't, you know, he says you can't trust the current ones everybody was on, you know. So AI has been launched in that environment. I think that's why we are a little bit more distrustful of it than if it wasn't in this time. Planet Earth is going to be tricky. (laughs) Yeah. When I go into Bunnings, that's a real person. So I think, right? They're a real person. <laughs> You're pretty sure. Uh, well. Yeah, yeah, they're real. But, but, but this whole deep fake thing that's going on right now where you you yes. can't tell, simply because the video uh, video yeah. has Trump saying such and such or Biden saying such yeah. and such or whatever, it's not necessarily them. I've seen videos which I know mm. have been generated, which actually sound for sure. Looks like the person, the words that are in their voice. Yeah. And then there's, you know, the media, I think it's at an all-time low now, mainstream media, mm-hmm. where we don't trust them. And I yep. think there are great reasons not to trust them. I think mm. there's so much stuff which is just click content. Mm. But it's a great opportunity for businesses to be very authentic yeah. and real and personal and, yeah. and more down-to-earth, right? We live in a hyper-headlined world. How can businesses use almost this sceptical world that we're in yeah. to build trust? So I reckon... That if you're going to build anything of size or scale, the first thing you have to do is have really, really strong foundations. Mm. And to me, if you're thinking about brands along those lines, what are those foundations made up of? Your values. So often they are a reflection of the people involved and so on, but also the the people that you want to be and become and the organisation you want to become. What's your mission? What's your purpose? What do you get out of bed each day to do? Mm. What is more important than ever is to be kind of having a really, really good look at those foundations, defining them, redefining them, and making sure everybody knows what they are. Because, you know, there are so many, you know, so Mm. many ways that these Mm. things can be undermined or for people to kind of get a little bit distracted from them. But if you have those in place properly and everyone's bought into it and so on, you know, that's your north star Mm. uh, in life. And that will always serve you well. That's how I feel about it. We just had... um uh, Michael Matthews from Perrin Ag. And boy, that is a company that knows what its values are. Yeah. One of the, he said his key word, vulnerability. They like to, which I thought was a really unusual word as one of their key brand values, right? It's not very corporate. Yeah. No, and they're not very corporate, but it works because they're very authentic. They tell the, they, they say, well, this is kind of the way we are. And here's an example of how they act out their 
trustworthiness. They'll, mm-hmm. they'll be interviewing some sort of new person, right, who's wanting a job there, say. Rather than just bringing in the senior person to interview, they will actually bring in maybe the um, previous recruited people to come in and interview the new person. Yeah, right. Right, because they and, and they don't want a senior person in the room. So that the new person, Chris, will say it's new. And the rest of us here, we're, we're the last year's new recruits. So we're newbies, kind of, but mm. we've been in the company, Perinag, for a while, and you're the new person. Mm. And you get to talk with us, no senior manager here. Yeah, right. And where you get to ask some questions, we'll tell you how it is. Yeah. They build trust uh, from the ground up in yeah. all these ways. Yeah. It's profound. Yeah. Mm. And it's believable. Yeah. yeah. Mm. You know, so with that example of the National Party, the biggest mm. problem with that was that they were actually having issues of trust yeah. at the time. Right. People were saying, oh, I'm not sure about this Luxon guy, do we yeah. trust him, da da da. Um, and then they, <laughs> to me, it was like, okay, you probably should have just had a had a really good look, hard look at your values, yes, and how you're going to tackle this before you, you know, go ahead. Yeah, um, that's what it, that yeah. to me is a good, really, just a real basic example of that. I feel, and okay. really not understanding your audience. Yeah, what are you? What is your audience thinking? Are they going to yeah. accept this? And this is this going to be okay? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Going back to what you were talking about, vulnerable, vulnerability. <laughs> um, em and I were talking about that yesterday, actually. And with AI, we talk. All of us talk about building a, a brand, and being authentic. Yeah. So you got your values, and yeah, now you're going to be authentic yeah. to those values, yeah. right? Um, and being a real, you know, being real, being authentic is AI going to change how we define authentic over time? I don't know the answer to yeah, it, but I, kind of that's a, something I've been thinking about mulling over. And I think that that's vulnerability comes in, into play too. I, I don't know. I was having a conversation on LinkedIn with a thought leader and we were talking about these AI-generated photos that people are using. I said, you know, we've pushed so far to present this perfect image of ourselves and not and being afraid to be vulnerable, but we don't have to be perfect. We just need to be authentic. And she came back and she said, yeah, perfect is the enemy of good. And it turns out it's also the enemy of being relatable. And that really resonated um, with me because, you know, we're in the business of relationships. Like how are we relating to each other? Um, Your vibe attracts your tribe. Mm. Um, is how I've always played it. And yes, I think that's the same with a, with a business too. If you're not going out and being authentic, people are not going to resonate with that. Mm. Yeah. Nice. You can't have this perfect life and expect to be <laughs> seen to be authentic because no one does that. Mm. Eh? No mm. one's got a perfect life. And no one's a perfect company. You know, we're talking about companies. No one's oh, a perfect God, organization. No. No. You know, like we said before, you're going to make mistakes. So, yeah. And that vulnerability yeah. and yeah. putting your hands up. Yeah. Yeah. That's believable. Yeah. Yeah. So HMC, PR company, right? So you're in the business of helping companies talk to the world Mm. as well as internally talk to themselves. So if telling great stories or telling good stories, their stories is part of the PR thing, how do you help them tell real stories? Mm. How do you shape them? Because it's people probably have a a temptation to tell a better story than might be real because they're, they're eager to say something that's mm. compelling at the other end. But how do you help them be authentic in telling their stories? Yeah. The thing that comes to mind is kind of going back to those foundations, you know, like the first thing we'll do as a, as a with a company is saying, well, what is your area of expertise? Like we need to defi- define some boundaries so that um, you tell stories in this realm because people will believe that. 
you know, if you're a, a feed company and you've been doing feed for 35 years, okay, you can talk about um, animal nutrition, but you're not going to be talking about genetics. You know, that's just not your area of ex- expertise. So I think it's defining your area and not veering out of there. And I think also, you know, often as an organization, you can give your opinion on things, but it's knowing when it's kind of your space to do that. I think you can ruin things by being in the, in the wrong space, I think is uh, good not good. Yeah. yeah, that's a good point. There are quite a few companies that are afraid to like put their people forward. Mm. And it's these people that make up the companies. It's these people that have the stories that we need to tell. And so, yeah, that's what I encourage a lot of my clients to do. Like I love thought leadership Mm. and these people are the experts in what they do. And I like drawing out the stories from there. But the the people's stories always win. They're the ones that get all the engagement on social media they're the ones that make it into the mainstream media. People you, resonate with people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they do. You said before that they're afraid to put their people out. Afraid of what? What do they think is going to happen if they put their people, the stories of their people, out into the public domain? I think there's just, and lots of marketers are guilty of this, we prioritise product or service over people. Yep. Yes, we're here to sell products or services, but who are creating these products and services and who are these products and services for? I love Simon Sinek and he always talks about start with why. What is the why for your company? Why do you exist? Mm. And it is to make life better or, you know, provide a wonderful service, but first you've got to talk about the why you exist and that's got to resonate with the people that you're trying to peddle your wares to. (laughs) We've talked about, you know, we're in the age of AI today. We are working with companies that need to build their trust. So how do we how do we use AI and embrace that technology and not lose okay. the trust of our community, our public? Go for it. I guess it's knowing when is the appropriate time to use that. For me, it's like, you know, when a human needs to be fronting it, that you got that human approach. And I think for now you do need to find a way to disclose that you're using it just for now. And and that for now might only be a year or two, you know, and then we won't have to disclose it anymore. But I think you need to be disclosing to your clients or to your public that things are generated with AI. And then I think it's just using that technology ethically, of course, as we've talked about today too. Yeah, um, what Heather, what Heather said. <laughs> <laughs> nice, thank uh, you, Chris. I, I think, and then I suppose if you were to build on that and say, okay, well, what kind of messages are we going to portray, and how are we going to go about doing it? And I kind of think at the moment, you were saying it before, is it was a hard time to be alive or something like that. Mm. <laughs> and it's I don't know, the negativity just seems to be the order of the day. It's very mm. depressing. I kind of think it must be hard being a young person. Yep. So I kind of think that, and putting that together along those lines. I don't know, let's try and put a smile on people's faces. Yeah. Let's entertain a little bit, not just constantly remind people, you know, okay, your payout's down in the dairy sector and, you know, it's going to be this, that and the other thing. Let's focus on some positives. Mm. And just remember that everyone has the capacity to have a laugh from time to time. It's good to be aware of these issues of trust, but to always be searching for the solution. And, you know, like with the in the era of deep fakes, you're wondering, is this really Tom Cruise talking (laughs) or is this somebody that's a really good Tom Cruise actor? There is a deep fake Tom Cruise on on TikTok, by the way. I've seen it. It looks like him. I'll show it to you after the show. (laughs) We're all going to have a laugh. Anyway, back to you. Um, There's a huge opportunity to bring things back. Like we're so global at the moment, but just to bring things back to basics, to support local business, to create relationships with people locally that you 
you know these people are real. Mm. That's going to be something interesting that's come up. We've, we've gone so far to being global that I think this may force us into becoming more localized and yeah, to be no more focused on authentic, real relationships with people. And that could be really transformative to yeah, business, yeah. the way we do business. Nice. Yeah, good point. Mm. Yeah. Hey, in closing off, we're going to have a, um, because the whole podcast is called Crunch, Crucial Chats Over Lunch. We're going to finish with a, uh, a lunchtime question. So go back to school lunches. I want to know two things. I want to know what your go-to standard school lunch was. All right. Don't embellish it. Just tell us what you got fed. And then what was on a special lunch day, what was that special thing that you could have? Well, growing up in America, we had school lunch made for us every day. And so you knew here's what the menu was for the week. Fridays were always pizza day. That was always my favorite day. Yeah, so I always looked forward to pizza. And my, the worst, when I think of school lunch, I can smell stewed tomatoes over rice. And I hate that. And I still hate it to this day. So the school made these, the school, yeah, school, made school had We had lunch ladies and they made our, our, you could start to smell the lunch around 10 o'clock being made. And Fantastic. yeah. Yeah. Right. Oh, well, so like early schooling, like primary, intermediate? You, you know. go where you want. Okay, so that would have been um, probably like a cheese and Marmite sandwich, you know, yep. like white bread. Yes. Very white. Yes. Butter. You know what I mean? <laughs> I do know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Those you know are mean? good days, right? Yeah. Oh. And then Mondays was you bought your lunch days and they had these ladies down in the school hall making sandwiches and you got a donut with that. It's very oh, special. Very yum. special. I, I know the donuts because that was like a bought lunch day. I had a um, an apricot pie with a cream that was so... Oh, that's, yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah. And you know what? People say, oh, you can't beat fresh cream. Yes, you can. That, that steak <laughs> stuff oh, is brilliant. Yeah, I don't know what it's made of, but it's solid. Yeah. Love that. Yeah. And a donut, which they don't make the donuts the same now. Not, not like oh, that. Oh, no, no. my gosh. So, so there we go. Nice. I suddenly feel like a cheese and Marmite sandwich with butter <laughs> and white bread. Oh. Yeah, go thick white bread, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to one-up you, Chris. Oh, <laughs> because I was like, yeah, it, it was something to do with Marmite, but it was Marmite and chips. Yeah, I did. Yes, that, yes, that was well. my favourite one. Yeah. Um, yeah. Or my mum would do yes. pickle and cheese, but a Marmite and chips sandwich yeah. was good. Yeah. Um, and if we were ordering our lunch, it would have been, you know, classic mince pie or one of those apricot cream pies <laughs> or a donut. So good. Those, they were great, those apricot pies, man. Oh, my gosh. Don't talk to me about health food. <laughs> Well, it had apricots in it, right, as far yeah. as I could tell, but at the cream. <laughs> right, everyone. Hey, I just want to thank my guest, Chris. Thank thanks for thank coming. You. Thank you. Heather, Emma, brilliant. All right, that's all we've got time for today on our latest episode of Crunch, Crucial Chats Over Lunch. I want to thank my guest, Chris. Thank you, Heather. Thank you, Emma. Stay tuned for the next episode. Thanks for joining us for the Crunch Podcast, brought to you by New Zealand PR agency, HMC. Make sure you hit the subscribe button so you don't miss our next episode. See you next time.